of you today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's give God praise today. You guys can be seated this morning. You guys having fun yet? You guys having fun yet? No. Some antagonist in the room. I've been feeling a little tired. I'm a little tired after watching you. So cozy up here and chill out. Who loves a good recliner? Anybody love a good recliner? The, the lazy boy, they, they uh, gave it a good name. I don't, I don't have a recliner or a lazy boy at my house. It's not feng shui enough, I think, to fit in our, our living room, but I love a good recliner. Every time I go over to my in-law's house, um, they've got this old school recliner, like old school, like you can smell. It's a little bit old school. It's got all the curves in the right places, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it's just so cushioned. And I lay in that thing, and I think they think I'm a lazy boy. I think they think I'm a lazy boy, because every time I go over there, I get in that recliner, and I just don't get out. <laughs> I'm just tired. So they just got to think I'm uh, a lazy boy, but I'm just exhausted from being a dad. <laughs> exhausted from being a pastor, and I just find myself in that for the next 48 hours while we're hanging out at their house, just feet propped up. And I can't take a nap, really. I, I'm just one, anybody else struggle to take nap? I just can't take a nap. It's like something is wrong with me, but when I get in a recliner, <laughs> when I get in the right recliner, it's like I could sleep. I could sleep really good. Men used to be really known for, for being hardworking. That used to just be culturally known, hardworking men. I don't know if it was the invention of a lazy boy. I don't really think it was, but now men are really, uh, across the world are really, especially in America, are really seen as lazy boys in a lot of ways. That uh, a lot of men who are afraid to have the hard conversations, men who are afraid of hard work, men who are afraid to make hard decisions, and God has so much more for us. And I'm not mad at the men in the room or in society. I, I think really society, we've really con- conditioned our men to accept a much lower standard than what God sets for them. I think we've conditioned them with phrases like, boys will be boys. And when we accept that, a man will just be perverted. And that he'll have his little side fun. We've conditioned them with things like man up, basically saying deny your emotions. And we wonder why we have disconnected fathers who don't know how to emote. We've really conditioned our men in this way in our society, but God sets a far higher standard for our lives. And I want to speak to the men in the room, and I want to speak to the ladies in the room too. So whether you're a man or a father, a a daughter, a a wife today, um, God wants to speak something to all of us from his scriptures. And it's, it's interesting. It comes out of John chapter 13. And we'll just read verses 1 through 9. And some of you are thinking, how long is he going to sit in that recliner? And I haven't really decided, but I'm just going <laughs> to keep on going for right now. Don't get to do this very often. <laughs> uh, verse 1 says, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. 
The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal and he took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, and he, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands, my head as well. Jesus made a statement as he got up from the table, from the reclining posture, and kneeled and served. The thing that struck me most about this text was just right out of the gate, and actually at the end of verse one, the translations differ depending on where you read it. Some translations don't render it, having showed them the full extent of his love. Some translations say, having loved them to the very end, we'll save the conversation for why commentators and translators pick two different versions uh, off of the Greek understanding of the text. We'll, we'll save that conversation for another day. And, and, and this struck me, though, having showed them the full extent of his love, because I know across this room and, and across the nation even further, that we all haven't had great examples of fathers. I would venture to say half of you in the room had a pretty good example. The other half of you had no example or a poor example. And all of us, who, no matter where you are, even dads in the room, on your very best day, you can only set so good an example but here's the good news and provides a lot of hope for those of you that have had no example or a very poor example, that we all have the best example. We have the best example in God the Father loving the Son and Jesus Christ living fully as God on this earth to show us a literally a new way to be human, a new way to be a father, to be a man, to be a woman, to be a mother, to be a wife. He showed us in a completely different way, but there's something really interesting I want to point out about what we hear God the Father speak to his son. There's only two places in the New Testament where we hear God, God the Father say something to his son. Isn't that wild? Just two places. At the transfiguration and at the baptism, and we've got to pick up on what is said here. Uh, Matthew 3, 17 uh, tells us that God the Father sees the Son being baptized and he says this to him, this is my Son whom I love. In him I'm well pleased. This is my Son whom I love. In him I'm well pleased. Every child on the face of this planet wants to hear that from their Father. And across this room, even with good fathers, you haven't gotten maybe the acceptance you wanted from your father. I that This is my son. This is my daughter. I, you haven't gotten the affection that you need to say, I love you. <laughs> maybe you haven't gotten the affirmation that says, I'm, I'm proud of you. 
And I know all across this room, it doesn't matter if you've had a great father or a terrible father, you probably didn't get all three of those. But I think these simple words and these simple ideas that are so profound in the life of every child on the face of the planet, we are longing to hear the, the really the simple sentence that God the Father says to his son, we're longing for that. And we're empty with that. And, and the truth of the matter is that God wants to say that to us if we've never had that in this world. And so if you are a father, if you are a mother in this room, a single mom working to do this, you can do, when I learned this a year and a half, two years ago, I began to practice this every single night when I lay my children to sleep. I say, I just want you to know I'm so glad you're my kids. If I had a whole room of kids to choose, I would pick you. And, and I want you to know I love you. I want you to know I'm proud of you. I just make that just because I want to model the example that we have in the Father. And, and men, we know how to love. We just don't know how to show it. We, the showing part. But I think this sentence is so powerful because we are called to show not the full extent of our love, we are called to show the full extent of his love. And, and this example that we have from Jesus in which he moves from the reclining posture, he gets up to serve, to show them the full extent of his love. And this is but a foretaste to the sacrifice that he will make at the cross. It's, it's but a glimpse of the sacrifice that's really going to be made in the coming days. We're called to show the full extent of his love. There, there's a couple of things in here I won't spend long on, but Jesus recognized that God had given him all power and to the men, to husbands, to fathers in the room. Ephesians 5, 22, 23 says that you're the spiritual head of your home, that you're the spiritual leader. When a, a, a woman is wed to a, a man at that moment, we were actually in a wedding a couple of weeks ago and, and I was spending some time talking with the dad, um, and he was just talking. It's a very emotional experience because he realized that he has been his daughter's spiritual head for her entire life. And in this very moment, he is transferring the mantle of spiritual authority over his child to another man. And, and that's not my plan. That, that's, that's God's plan. And, and you can see why we've got so many issues when men aren't living up to that and we're okay to be a lazy boy. And maybe we're not a lazy boy when we go to work, but we're a lazy boy spiritually. And that we watch our, our wives read the word and, and invest themselves in community and growing in the Lord, but we, ours is dusty. Our Bibles are dusty. And, and maybe it's in, in different ways that we find ourselves lazy. And this is the standard that God's called us to. And he's destined from the foundation of the world, not that we would lead with some kind of... Uh, um, uh, domineering authority, but we would carry spiritual authority because where there's authority, there's responsibility. And where there's responsibility, there will be accountability. And, and you may be able to skate past some accountability spiritually, but it, it will catch up to us and we'll stand before the Lord and we'll give an account. Not for every decision our child's ever made because they grow on to be an adult and they make decisions for themselves, but we will be accountable for how we led them and how we loved them. And so sons, daughters, mothers, fathers, wherever you're at, whatever example you've had, know that you're not just in authority, dads, fathers, but you're under authority. 
and, and, and know what Jesus, or what the scripture says here in John, that he had come from the Father and he was returning to the Father. His time was limited in dad's father, mom's, our time is limited. Where we came, we will return this life. I've got an app that tells me how many weeks until my child leaves my home at graduation. It's a little bit depressing, but it it puts a spark in me that says, make the most of today because I've come from the Father and one day I'll return as I've submitted my life to him. It's it's temporary. We are temporary shepherds over our children and our influence in this world. And so we're called to show them the full extent of his love. Jesus pauses from the meal and chooses to get up and take a posture of a servant. And we too are called, we've, we've got to pause the immediate to engage the eternal. We, we've got, <laughs> our kids, man, every single time we go out to dinner, right, there's the 20, 25 minutes before the meal shows up. Every single time, without fail, our, our kids are seven, four, and uh, almost two. I'm tired of doing the months thing. It's almost two now, okay? Um, we're, at, we're at the meal, and, and that nobody has to use the bathroom for that 20 minutes while we're waiting for our food, but the moment our plates hit the table, I got a potty. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And of course, I just huff and puff and I'm frustrated about it and take them. And I'm like, why now? Because here's the thing, ladies, if you're in a new relationship or you're trying to understand what makes men tick or what ticks them off, know this, they don't like to be interrupted. (laughs) We don't like to be interrupted watching our show or our TV show. We don't like to be interrupted when we're working on a project. And we certainly don't want to be interrupted when we're eating food. (laughs) They're just, it is just not a good time, but Jesus pauses the immediacy of his own hunger and his own desires for this, of the immediate to engage in the eternal. Uh, most of you would know the name Truett Cathy, a founder of Chick-fil-A. He's done pretty well for himself. Um, uh, every year they have a, a big Chick-fil-A bowl in Atlanta you might be familiar with. It's a college, I think it's a kickoff for the season and it's a big day, obviously, for the founder of Chick-fil-A. They're in this giant dome. All the eyes are on them as the kickoff of college football season. And he's in, I hear this story that he's in his, um, you know, luxury suite. And it's, it's literally, it's a bowl with his company's name on it. Kind of a big day in the year for them. True Kathy's not only a, a strong Christian uh, man, but he serves in his local church um, as well. And he, he leads a small, um, you know, Bible study of young boys that are around 12 to, or 11 to 13 years old. And this one particular Chick-fil-A bowl, uh, one guy I was hearing tell the story, he was in there and he was actually having a conversation with True Kathy. And at, at one point in the conversation, he gets a call, True Kathy gets a call you know, big wigs, and I mean, you can probably smell the money in that room, right? And so he gets a call, and I think most of us would say if he screened that call right then and just didn't pick it up, that's okay. I mean, you're like, you're just kind of a big day for you. We wouldn't kind of cast judgment. But he pauses the conversation with a New York Times bestseller in front of him and whatever CEO is a part of that conversation, and he walks outside and he takes a phone call, and he comes back in, and he's he reconnects with the the um, the author that he was speaking with that I hear telling the story, and he says, "Yeah, that was one of my twelve year old boys in my small group. Um, he's wanting to get in and bring some friends to the game, and I just wanted to take some time, and make sure he get this worked out, and they can come into the game and enjoy." 
He, was, he, he knew that more than kissing the behinds in the room and the conversation and the luxury of his own suite, what was most important in that moment was the 12-year-old child who's looking up to him. And, the, and just the statement that it makes that says, I, I want to go and you're important to me. And, and I, I get it. Uh, men, I get it. Husbands, I get it. Ladies, and I get it. Moms who in this room, like we, we need our time and nothing a man loves more than coming home at a long, hard, physical work day and laying on the couch. I amen to that. Come on. Um, but our work's just getting started. And the immediate we've done all day and we're physically exhausted with that and, and and if we don't have a reservoir, if we don't come home with a focused mind that I, I got to be willing to pause the immediacy of my own exhaustion, the immediacy of my own hunger to engage the eternal priority to lead and to love my family. And so here's my challenge to you, to every single person in this room this week when the immediate exhaustion, when the immediate television show that you're lost in, the immediate pressures of your job are in front of you. Pause every single day. Find a time to pause and, and to, to stop and, and connect with your wife or with your children and, and say, hey, this, con- this conversation is important to you, so it's important to me. But we don't. We usually just try to let it go in one ear and out the other and just try to get it done. God's given us the best technological advance for us to be better husbands and fathers, DVR, you know what I'm talking about? God's given us that gift we got no excuses. Pause the thing and engage with the eternal that's right in front of us. Jesus takes this posture of a, of a servant. I mean, he takes off his outer garment and gets to his knees and he's kind of down to his skibbies and he takes the posture of a servant. In this culture, it wasn't even common for disciples to wash their teachers' feet. Like, that wasn't the practice. Like, student washing teachers' feet. That wasn't even the normal practice, let alone the teacher to be washing his students, his disciples' feet. And this is where Jesus chooses to humble himself before he'll be humiliated. He chooses humility in I think there's not a man on this earth, I don't think there's a human on this earth that does not have to crucify pride. And it's not one day a week, it's every day of every week, the rest of our life. We must crucify pride and choosing to take a posture of humility. And this is the example that Jesus leaves us for authority and leadership in the earth. This is what a leader does. This is what a man does. He doesn't look to be served. He looks to serve. And he takes on this posture. And of course, Jesus taking the posture of humility because he'll be dragged to prison, but Jesus wasn't dragged. He submitted himself to the Father's will. He chose humility. He didn't complain about having to take the trash out. He chose humility before the humiliation came of being beaten and spat. He, he chose it. And so the challenge this week is choose humility. Choose a posture of service. Um, I, I, I'm a big Bucks fan, Tampa Bay Bucks fan. Grew up in Tampa. 
Uh, some of you may be familiar with NFL Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy, another strong uh, believer. Uh, I've been able to meet um, Tony um, and, and connect with him uh, uh, when I was probably in middle school and um, when he was down there in Tampa. And uh, I've just, you know, watched just the incredible life of integrity that he's led as an NFL player and a coach and now an analyst. And uh, he got involved in his church many years ago, and, and when he uh, got connected there, um, he, he signed up to volunteer at the church, and he said, hey, I'll, you put me wherever you need me, but I'll, I'll serve in the parking team, right? You know, the sweaty job, Central Florida, Tampa, of the parking team, not, certainly not the most glamorous, but very necessary uh, traffic coming in and out, so he chose to take the parking team. They gave him one shot, one week to do the parking team, and the traffic got worse. <laughs> you know, people were waiting and talking. To, they're like, you know, Tony, we love you, but you can't serve on the parking team. So he does some other things in the church, but I just love the humility that's represented in Tony's life that, hey, he, wasn't, he didn't need to be on a stage anywhere. He didn't need to lead anything. Just, just put me where you need me. I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll do the parking team. And I'll, I'll, this matters. I'll, I'll wave people in. I just love that humility. Might we operate in that same humility that nothing's below us. We're willing to serve the very least of these. Because here's the thing. When I begin to practice that, when I begin to practice on a daily basis, just once a day, Every single day, serving the least of these, being willing to do whatever, crucifying my pride, what begins to happen is I start looking a lot more like Christ. And through that, doing it in the right spirit, I'm showing the world, my coworkers, my wife, my children, my friends, I'm showing them the full extent of his love. And I am transforming. And one day I'll look up and hopefully I'll be like, I don't even recognize myself now. And the truth of the matter is I look a lot more like Jesus now than I did 10 years ago, than I did six months ago, because I'm constantly taking off my prideful outer robe to find myself in a position of a servant. And so men, women, if you're not in a position or a place of serving in the local body, find a place to use your gifts. And, and it doesn't even take the gifts. It's the heart of a servant that God's after. And we begin to look a lot more like Jesus um, when we serve, and that's the goal. The text really begins to finish out, and Peter, who is the um, appointed leader of the church that Christ said, I will build my church on this rock, on Peter, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, and I just want to point out one thing. His disciples would fail him over and over again in the coming days. So Jesus' service to them was not about their faithfulness and their character. It was about his character. It was about his calling. And so if, if your kids aren't being obedient, if, if your wife's been getting on your nerves, we don't serve because of their character or their faith. We're serving of God's faithfulness to us and the character that he's building in us. And Peter is pushing back from Jesus and he's like, Jesus, you're never gonna serve me. And, um, and uh, this, this past week, the past two weeks, it's been crazy. 
Um, we've had a bunch of stuff break, you know, like when it rains, it pours. That happened in our house in the past couple of weeks. Our faucet broke, so we went without a week, or we went a week without a, fa- a kitchen sink, a, a dishwasher, or you know, um, drinking water in our in our um, kitchen. And then our uh, washing machine um, broke, and I tried to fix it and try to repair it. And our couch was like tearing apart. It's a brand new couch, and so all this stuff. God was amazing, and like we got everything done. Uh, God took care of every single need, and the only thing I had to pay was a thirty dollar part, which didn't fix my washer. That's the only thing. New brand new couch coming, brand new faucet showed up, and um, and, and God just made it away. But there, there was a person who heard about this need that our washer had broken, and we were you know frustrated and trying to figure out figure out a repairman. And somebody within this body who reached out to us and um, first talked to Taryn and, and said, hey, I, I, God told me to, um, you know, to, to, to buy this for you. And so, you know, we, we've got our own pride stuff. We're like, no, you're not going to do that for me. And they're like, yeah, you got a budget of so-and-so, which is a lot more than I've ever spent on a washer. Um, and yeah, you got a budget, just go pick out. And, and so Taren, between Taryn and I, we both, we fought with him for probably half hour, 40 minutes between the two of us on the phone with this individual saying, no, you, you can't do this. And um, until the conversation gets, this is what God told me to do, you know? And then they drop the God card and you're like, what am I going to do now? Um, and we realized we'd be getting in the way of God serving us. We were just like Peter. God, you can't wash my feet. You can't, you can't serve me. I'm good. I'm good. We'll figure it out. We'll, buy, we'll do a repair, man. I got this. I talked about this weeks ago. We're, we're stubborn and taking care of ourselves, And, and um, we, we can't serve. We can't lead unless we've been served. We can't have the God-glorifying influence that we are called to have unless we've been washed by him. We can't show others the full extent of his love unless we have experienced the full extent of his love. And I know all across this room, we've got men and women, we've got uh, people uh, who are fathers and those that wish they were fathers. And all across this room, God's wanting to do something in our heart and not just for a moment that will shape that will, will shape a legacy behind us of service and God's kingdom and his glory. And it doesn't matter where you've come from, we've got the, all the best example we could ever have in God the Father. And, and that's not just going to like magically solve all of our father issues that are spread throughout this room. That's not going to solve that. But God, through his love and grace, is sufficient for you. It's enough. It's enough. doesn't matter what age you are. We want to hear the same thing. This is my son. This is my daughter whom I love, and I'm well pleased. We want to hear the same thing. And, um, and I, I want to pray with us this morning. Um, and so if you'll stand with me, I'd like to ask a couple of questions particularly to the men, and, and I want the men to, to come right here because I want to ask it to your face, if you will. Like, just pretend there's a buffet up here, and like, let's, let's go ahead, let's just pretend. I, I won't be long. I won't, you know, slap my hand on you. I won't do anything like that. Just up here. I just want to ask something to your face um, this morning. I'm thankful for each one of you men that are here today. I'm thankful that you're in God's house. Um, on this day 
There's not a better place you could be. For years, Mother's Day is one of the top attendance days in church, and Father's Day is one of the least attended days. It says something about spiritual leadership in our nation. And I just want to ask you a, a couple of simple questions. First is, have you been washed by Jesus? It's that simple. Man, man to man, there's no greater decision that you can make and to set aside pride and say, then wash me, wash my hands, wash my feet. I want to be who you've called me to be. It's not a moral kind of thing. It's not a get out of hell free card. It's a relationship with creator of heaven and earth who has a purpose and a design for your life. And so that's the first question I want to ask you is have you been washed by Jesus? And I know all across this room, ladies and men included, God wants to do something in our heart. And if you don't know Jesus and you're in this room, in the back of the room or the front of the room, uh, I want to pray a prayer of that washing this morning with you. Uh, We're going to pray it collectively. If you've prayed this prayer a thousand times, it's okay. Pray it again with me. It doesn't matter that you say it. It matters that you believe it. You can say it all day. You can check a card as many times as you want on a box. That doesn't do the trick because it's not a trick. It's a relationship. It's a confession of our own sins that says, I need to be washed as much as Peter did, as much as Pastor Kyle did, as much as the best father on the face of the planet that's ever lived needed to be washed. I need to be washed. And so I just want to ask us to bow our heads. I'm just going to pray this prayer, and I just ask that you repeat after me throughout the room. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're, we're all just finding ourselves at the feet of the Lord and saying, God, wash me. Wash my head. Wash my hands. Would you repeat after me? God, I confess my sin. That I need a Savior. I'm not a good enough on my own. But God, you've made a way. God, I, I confess my belief in Jesus Christ today. And I step into a new relationship. I thank you that you've washed me clean. I thank you that I have eternal life. And I thank you for the relationship in Jesus Christ. It's that simple of a confession of the heart, not a con- just a confession of the mouth, but a confession of the heart that lowers ourself. God, all across this room, you know what's going on in every man's life and every woman's life, and you know, God, how much we need you. God, would we find ourselves this morning knowing how much we need you, knowing that you are our supply, knowing that you are our provision, God, I just specifically pray across this room for every single individual that carries in the baggage of of failed fathers, God, of absentee fathers, God. I I just, I pray a, a spiritual prayer of healing in their hearts, God, that your Holy Spirit would fill the gaps, God, that other godly men would fill the gaps, that the community and the body of Christ would fill the gaps, fill the void, God, that only you can fill. I just pray over this group of men right now, God, that we would rise up, that we wouldn't stay in the lazy boy chair, but we would find ourselves servants of you, God, showing the world the full extent of your love. That's our prayer today. In Christ's holy name.